It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. How can you achieve and maintain business growth? Harvard Business School Executive Education is now accepting applications for a new program, Driving Profitable Growth. Taking place in Boston from October 25th through the 28th, this program focuses on business expansion and organizational growth strategies that can lead your company into the future. Learn more about this three-day program for senior leaders by visiting hbs.me growth. That's hbs.me growth. You are Locked On Celtics, your daily Celtics podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm so hyped right now. Anything's possible. Oh, my mama. Oh, my mama made it, ma. Anything's possible. Rainy days. Jump shot fade away. This the best Celtics podcast day to day. Especially when the season get hectic. I stay waiting on it like receiving a Nets pick. Nothing like the terrible analysts on the TV. So in depth you might even hear a story on Gigi. So in depth they might do an hour about the D-League. So in depth you probably should pay him but it's a freebie. Yeah, John Corrales and J. King. Locked on trying to get the 18th ring. So you can miss me with the blah blah. No more Geno time. We watching Jay do the Zaza. Hey there, welcome back to the Locked On Celtics Podcast here on the Locked On Podcast Network. Thanks for making us part of your daily routine, Monday through Friday. And today on this Thursday show, we are celebrating the Boston Celtics 108-97 win over the Chicago Bulls. A home team finally won in this series. Celtics take a 3-2 lead after being down 2-0. Big night for the Celtics. Lots of guys stepped up. Guys that we might not have expected, like Kelly Olynyk, Terry Rozier. Of course, Al Horford was awesome and continues to be awesome and shut people up. Isaiah Thomas had some big plays. But on the defensive end? Huh? Question mark. And uh, Avery Bradley was just carrying this team for a long time. We're going to talk about it. Me, John Corrales, along with Sam Jam Packard. We're the Rain and Jays. Brought to you today by... SeatGeek, download the SeatGeek app, and later on in the show, we'll give you 20 bucks off one of your, your first SeatGeek purchase. Stay tuned for that, but let's just dive right into this because huge performance by the Boston Celtics, huge fourth quarter by the Boston Celtics, Sam, and not the typical way the Celtics dominate the fourth quarter, it, it was a much more of a team effort tonight, and it's just a lot of guys pitched in. Yeah, this was a kind of a, a bizarre game for the Celtics because they didn't really ever get anything great going on offense. The, they had so many opportunities, opportunities after opportunity, open shot after open shot, and they really couldn't knock anything down. But um, in that fourth quarter, it felt like uh, everybody kind of stepped up they made some some great plays on uh, on the defensive end and and were able to go on that run. But you're right, they got c- contributions from uh, Kelly Olynyk in that fourth quarter, Al Horford, Avery Bradley, Isaiah Thomas making great defensive plays. Um, so I don't know. I I think it goes back to a question that I think we talked about on the last podcast: is that is is this the Celtics playing well, or is this the Bulls just being so bad that like even a even a game in which the Celtics shoot, what, what do they end up with? 
43% and only 22% from three, they still end up winning and kind of winning easily in the end because it felt like the Celtics were playing better the entire night. And if they ever just started making shots, they, they, they would eventually kind of pull away. And that's what seemed to happen in, in the fourth quarter. But it was, this is kind of a, a wild ball game in which, in which no one really played. Or at least you just, uh, Isaiah didn't play that well. And no one really emerged as like playing that well until that fourth quarter uh, when they did pull away. Well, we had little stretches of, of people who played well. Like Avery Bradley early on was on fire. In, in the first half, Bradley was uh, 8 of 12 for 17 points, and he finished with 24 overall. So he had 17 of his 24 in the first half. Kelly Olynyk had a, a nice stretch in the second quarter. We had eight points on three of five shooting. So he carried the team for a stretch in the second quarter. In the third quarter, spread it out. Al Horford, Avery Bradley again in the third. Isaiah starts to come alive. And then in the fourth, Horford, big, huge clutch fourth quarter. 11 points in the fourth. Three of three shooting, five of five from the line. In fact, the Boston Celtics set a team record, a perfect 23 of 23 from the line. Uh, they also set a team record, by the way, for missing 37 three-pointers. I mean, uh, no, I'm sorry, 31 three-pointers. They were nine of 40 from three. So a little good, a little bad, uh, but good contributions all the way around. Let's just give Al Horford... His due here, 21 points, 9 assists, 7 rebounds. What a huge, huge, huge game for him. And at the beginning of the series, even when he had a good game, people were like, oh, where's Al Horford? And it's nice. I think it's kind of a vindication to see him come up with an 11-point fourth quarter and to have a big, huge second half where he had 19 four and four in the second half when the Celtics needed him to step up and he did a lot of great things and he, he'd been doing a lot of great things throughout the series but it's the scoring and the obvious stuff that make people shut up and he did the things to make people shut up tonight the thing yeah you're absolutely right he, he burned Miritich in the in the post, he did the kind of the the smaller scoring things. He knocked down a couple of threes. But the thing that I was most impressed with with Al Horford is his playmaking in in the pick and roll scenarios when he was the roll man and kind of caught the ball ball and in those four on three and just his ability to make the quick pass to the corner for a knockdown three or to kind of be in the post and wait for wait for cutters and make passes that way. I just thought it was the kind of the perfect display of his playmaking ability and his kind of uh, just a ability to kind of make those around him better. Um, he was fantastic tonight. And in, in a night when Isaiah um, wasn't knocking down the outside shot and wasn't being like really making that much for himself at the rim because the bulls were giving him so much uh, attention and kind of really packing the paint for him to be able to kind of throw it to the, the guy, uh, the role man on that pick and roll. And for him to be able to make plays and create offense out of that, is extremely valuable for the Boston Celtics, and it's something that they were very much lacking in the series last year against the Hawks because the Hawks would blitz Isaiah Thomas, and there would really be no incentive for him to give it up to the uh, anyone setting a pick for him because you just know they weren't going to make a play. But without Horford, with his basketball IQ, with his athleticism, um, he really just 
is constantly making the right decision and setting the Celtics up to to score points, which is exactly I get. I, I feel like I've been harping on this the past two games. They just need to keep scoring because the Bulls' offense is just not very good at this point. So to have Al Horford in there, kind of being that second facilitator, is huge for them, uh, and the major reason why they kind of pulled away uh, in the fourth quarter. This is where Al Horford is the difference that Chicago doesn't have. Al Horford, when Isaiah Thomas has a 1-for-10 from 3 shooting night and a 6-of-17 night overall, still managed to score 24 points, still managed to have 11 in the fourth quarter, still managed to be impactful in a lot of ways, 8 assists. Uh, I'm sorry, no, that was uh, Marcus Smart who had 8 assists. 4 assists. Five rebounds for Mark for for Isaiah Thomas. First of all, let me just say this: when Isaiah Thomas gets you five rebounds, you you lose. Like you don't even have to play, finish the game. If you let Isaiah Thomas get five rebounds on you, you lose automatically. It's like if Isaiah Thomas wins a jump ball on you, blow the whistle, shut the lights off, send everybody home, you lose. You can't let the smallest guy on the floor do that to you. But Horford is the guy that can pick up some slack and make other guys on the team better. Find guys cutting back door. Like uh, there was a play in the fourth quarter where he found uh, Jay Crowder. And I think Crowder got fouled, but just making the right play, reading the plays like he has in the past few games, knowing that if you roll in certain scenarios – he just reads it right, and he goes right away, and he gets rewarded. He knows exactly when to pop. He knows exactly when to pass. That's why we keep saying, whenever he has the ball in the post, cut to the damn basket. He wants to find you. And Brad Stevens' postgame said, our offense flows through Al Horford's passing. He is one of the best passing bigs in the league. Uh, the AP's Brian Mahoney said, he tweeted out, there are probably about maybe two or three bigs, I think he said, in the league that can make the passes that Al Horford was making tonight. He is a facilitator. That's always been his game. That's what he wants to do. And tonight he was able to do that extremely well. So for your your big to have nine assists, to be your team leader in assists is amazing. And Chicago has nobody that can do that. Their offense is basically give it to Butler and hope he scores. And side note, Dwayne Wade had an amazing game. 26 points, 11 rebounds, 8 assists. The Celtics survived the Dwayne Wade game. He has one of these games in him in the series. And the Celtics survived it. But there's nobody that they can turn to to facilitate for anybody else now that Rondo's gone. So... Just amazing, and if I sound a little bit more hyped about Al Horford, because this is finally a justification for bringing him on, giving him the money, and all of that stuff, that a lot of people out there that were just running their mouths early on, this is the reason why he's here. And it's the scoring is a little bit higher than he's done all season, but this is how he's played all season long. So it's really, really great to see. Yeah, in the in the three wins over the Bulls, he's averaged 18, 9, and 6. And it, it kind of makes sense that his scoring has gone up. Um, 
in the playoffs. You just think about it, the game kind of kind of slows down and the, in the importance of being solid in the half court offense um, definitely becomes a kind of a key factor there in the playoffs. So you can understand why he becomes more important. Um, I thought that Celtics defense, they played pretty well for the, for the majority of the game. It, um, but I, you mentioned Dwayne Wade having a good game, but I think the bigger story is Jimmy Butler only scoring 14 points, only attempting one free throw. And he, it felt like he basically disappeared in the entire fourth quarter. Uh, I just didn't like, I understand that the Celtics were putting, giving him a lot of attention, attention and like, uh, sometimes doubling him and, and tripling him. But, uh, it just felt like if he's going to make his claim to be kind of the best player in the series type thing, you can't, you can't completely fade away in the fourth. Yeah. They, the Celtics defended him really, really well in the fourth two field goal attempts, no free throws in the fourth. Like you said, one free throw for the game. He, in, in the second half, just six field goal attempts in the entire second half for six points. That's, that's crazy. And, and I wonder if Wade taking 18 shots has something to do with that. Uh, Isaiah Cannon had 11 shots, six of 11. He actually had a nice scoring game, but yeah, the Butler, if he's this was going to be the game, if he was going to do anything and have a big game, this was going to be it. But the Celtics did a good job staying in front of him, keeping him out of the lane, forcing him to take tough shots. I think that that look, every, not everybody's going to have a great game. We, we look at what he did, and and he shot better than most of the Celtics tonight. Just one of those nights where. It just didn't work for him, and I guess if Chicago just doesn't have Chicago just doesn't have the personnel to to really account for that, even with with Wade's big game. So tough night for Butler, but great defense by the Celtics, and 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 I agree. Like it's so it's so weird to say because you can say you have to do this, but. If you're if you're Jimmy Butler, you're not you're not Kevin Durant, you're not LeBron. There's there's really only like two or three guys in the league that can impose their will on on a team. Butler is not that guy. He's really really good. He's in that next tier of star players and can take over games a lot of the time, but not every time. So Good for the Celtics. Good on the Celtics for managing to keep him in check. And they had a, they had a great plan for him, and it worked. And I think a large part of it was was just kind of a defensive mastery of of Avery Bradley, because he was. There were some times when just he would just deny Butler even getting the basketball uh, in the post and just making like Jimmy Butler's life incredibly difficult. And I do think the fact that. Butler's been playing over 40 minutes a game um, for the majority of this series. And going up against Avery Bradley, he's probably tired. So kind of like the the effort needed to kind of uh, to take over the game, especially when the Celtics are directly game planning to avoid that, um, becomes incredibly difficult. And you're right. He's not on those top tiers of players who can do it every single game. But you got to credit the Celtics and especially Avery Bradley just for making his last incredibly difficult they were 
the Bulls were doing some interesting things with trying to get him some open looks, especially they were like when they could get a switch with him onto uh, Isaiah. They had him um, kind of moving around off ball more, and they were really trying to get a lot of uh, kind of feeds into him into the post or just alley-oops towards him, just trying to um, abuse the size that way. They did the same thing when Avery Bradley was still guarding him, but Bradley just did a really good job um, contesting and denying those entry passes and making life difficult for him. Um, and if you're the Bulls after that, like, really, what are you going to turn to uh, on offense? They had to go to Anthony Morrow, come off the bench. <laughs> and I knew he was going to come in and score because I feel like Anthony Morrow always kills the Celtics. But he had eight points. Like, Robin Lopez was good in that third quarter. But, like, you can't really rely on Robin Lopez to do that. Miritich, I don't know what he's doing half the time. He just takes, like, the most absurd threes. It, it really comes down to a lack of just – general scoring for the the Chicago Bulls and so if if Butler's not having a game even if Dwayne Wade scores his 26 points there's just not a lot this the Bulls offense can do no no and this is why Rondo was so important because Butler can go one-on-one and score he can do that Miritich can hit open shots but you need somebody to set that up Lopez can hit open shots and then other guys can chip in from time to time. But you need you need a guy like Rondo to set them up and get them in the right place. And and you, what he was doing in the first couple of games of the series, disrupting the, the Celtics offense, getting out in transition, and having them score easily on, in, on fast breaks. But they're an eighth seed for a reason, because they can't sustain some of these things. They can't. When one of those things, when 2017 Rajon Rondo is the key to your success, that's a problem for your team. So here we are. The Chicago Bulls, shockingly the eighth seed, aren't really that good. So that's that. (laughs) So the Celtics now go to Chicago on Friday night to potentially close out this series. And so, Celtics fans in Chicago or Celtics fans waiting in Boston, you will have an opportunity to buy tickets. You want to go to that game to see the Celtics potentially close out that series. Or if Chicago manages to win that game at home, stave off elimination, there's a game Sunday at the Garden to settle this thing once and for all. So go and download the SeatGeek app or get on the web and go to their website because SeatGeek has basically taken all of the confusion out of buying tickets. They make it easy for you to find the best deal. They have completely changed the game when it comes to buying tickets. Now, I have the SeatGeek app. I don't always need to buy tickets, but when I do, I go to them first because they have made everything easy. Open up the app and you'll see right away, the first thing you'll notice is everything is color-coded. Red, yellow, green. That immediately draws your eye to, oh, there's a green dot in this section. I'm going to go look at these sections because they have aggregated everything. They have gone to all those other ticket sites. They've done all the price comparison and they tell you, what the best possible deal is. On top of it all, you click on that seat. It shows you what the view is. So if you're a Boston fan, you want to go to Chicago, you've never been to Chicago for a game, 
You go, you click on that seat. It'll show you what you're going to see before you even get there. So you know what you're getting into ahead of time. And SeatGeek wants to get you the most bang for your buck. So they give every ticket a grade based on its value. So you immediately get to see the underpriced seats and you can find the best deals that fit your budget. I'm telling you, SeatGeek is the way to go. And on top of all of that, that's just right there. That's enough. That's a great app. On top of all of that, our listeners get a $20 rebate off the first ticket purchase. So here's what you have to do. Download the SeatGeek app. Go to the settings tab. Click add a promo code. Enter LO Celtics. And then you buy your ticket. SeatGeek sends you back 20 bucks. After you've made the purchase. So you want to go to Chicago or you want to go to game seven or you want to go to game one against either the Wizards or the Hawks. Download the app, enter LO Celtics, buy your tickets, $20 back. Boom, done, sealed, signed, sealed, delivered. That's that. So I think you should probably start looking if you want to catch a game on the road. I think you should probably start looking in the Washington area. I'm just saying, don't quote me on that, but I think that's probably what you should be looking at. And I'll tell you that the Verizon Center sucks, so just know what you're getting into. But SeatGeek will help you in that way. Progressive brings you Flowetry with Flow. When Flow flows, she flows in the know. Mind ruminates the rates. Shown them all, I heed the call. Seeing the rest, I choose best sometimes it's ours sometimes it's not when the fox walks is it called a fox trot that's a real question compare progressive direct rates with competitors rates visit progressive.com progressive casualty insurance company and affiliates comparison rates not available in all states or situations prices vary based on how you buy all right let's <laughs> back to the game the i i i kind of want to get into the um from the Chicago side, well, actually, we just did the Chicago side. Screw that. I'm done with that. Uh, I want to get into post game a couple of things. <laughs> Go on. Uh, I will say, okay, the first thing I want to say, it was fun to see the Isaiah and Avery Bradley post game press conference because Isaiah was joking. And they were asked about Isaiah's defense, and Isaiah immediately started joking around, saying, I'm first team. And then as soon as Avery Bradley started saying, uh, no, he's underrated, and he doesn't, Isaiah's like, no, 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 don't, don't hype me up. I, they say I'm the worst defender in the league. I'm fine with that. Just let that happen. So I, I, I want to get your take on this, Sam. I think we've increasingly seen after the tragedy that – I, I really think through the team off in games one and two, we're increasingly seeing Isaiah, the trademark smile, having some fun, getting back into the routine. And I know he's still dealing with this on a personal level. I know this is still killing him. I know that this is still incredibly difficult. But on the court, in this sanctuary that we keep talking about, I really think that Isaiah getting back to himself a little bit has done wonders for this whole team. No, it definitely feels like he has the, the swagger back. And it was the funny, the, the funniest thing to me about that question is that you could tell whenever the reporter started to ask it about his defense, he kind of covered his face a little bit and he was smiling. Like he, he knew he's about to like make jokes. He was about to go off. 
And that's just like it's good to see, just considering uh, where he was to start the series. But you can you can tell that swagger's there, just even when, um, in in the game when he either when he gets fouled and like kind of goes into his like snarl flex like Mighty Mouse mode, or when he finishes over Isaiah Cannon and immediately starts talking shit. Like you can tell he's just playing basketball, like uh, like like he knows how to play basketball, and he's he's definitely uh, more comfortable. His teammates seem more comfortable, so it's just it's a very good sign um, for one. Just Isaiah Thomas for his own kind of mental health and sanity. Nice to see that he's kind of feeling good again. But in, in the basketball impact, it's it's good because the Celtics feel like it feels like they're having fun again and playing um, much more comfortably. Yeah, and then the other thing that happened post game was the the question uh, from. Uh, the question of Al, uh, uh, I'm sorry, of Fred Hoiberg, after sitting there and stammering his way through the press conference, he was asked, did you see Isaiah carry the ball tonight? He immediately said, nope, and got up and walked off, which to me made waiting and recording this show late all the more worth it. That was my favorite moment of the series by far. It was fantastic, and all all credit has to go to um, one of my mainest men, former WEI colleague of mine, Josue Pavon, for asking the question. Uh, and he just made Fred Hoiberg look so silly and so just kind of upset. And just and classic like Cameron to Bill O'Reilly, like you mad? You said made such a big deal about this after Game Four, and now you get asked about it once, and you immediately have to leave the podium. Oh, uh, it's it was awesome. It was a fantastic moment. It just was laugh out loud funny, and I have to give a lot of respect to Joe Sway for for bringing that up again because I know he was he thought it was really just absurd that uh, Fred Hoiberg brought it up after Game Four. So good on Joe Sway for holding him accountable and um, asking him about it again after Game Five. So great, so great. Uh, before we get to Jam's junk drawer, I want to make an announcement that. The Locked On Celtics podcast, me, you, Sam, and Jay King, will be doing a Reddit Ask Me Anything on Sunday at noon on the Celtics subreddit. So if you are a Reddit user, uh, go on the Celtics subreddit, which is our Boston Celtics, and on Sunday at noon, the three of us will be on there answering all of your questions, anything, ask us anything, and we'll be there. So want to make sure we get that announcement out there for for you guys. Definitely check that. I'm excited for that. I'm excited for that because I've seen these Ask Me Anythings. They can get crazy. And so that's going to happen Sunday at noon. Okay, Sam, hold on, hold on. Before we get to the junk drawer, I want to just talk about uh, Jay Crowder. Um, he was two for eleven from the field tonight, zero for five from three. Obviously, he has not been great shooting this series. Um, but I thought he actually played uh, kind of if you outside of that shooting. I thought he played a pretty good game and made some really big plays, uh, especially in that fourth quarter. Uh, Getting himself to the free throw line, scoring four points there. He still ended the game with eight rebounds. He was a, a plus nine to end the game. He had two kind of uh, blocks that were um, it was, they occurred in the first 
first half, but I thought they were important at the moment. Um, so obviously I'd like to see him uh, shoot better, but it's just like, it, it's so much like him to still m- make an impact and still play uh, very tough. So I, um, it's kind of like a, a, a tip of the cap, wag of the finger at the same time. It's like, shoot better, <laughs> but uh, you know what? Keep, keep doing like kind of the, the little things that are, are good for winning right now. Uh, I'm glad you brought that up. Uh, I, I will admit I overlooked that in my excitement. Uh, I'll say Crowder has not had the best series uh, overall on an offensive side, uh, but I'll 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 go out on a limb, and maybe I'm being a little over over ambitious, but screw it, I'll go out on a limb here. I'm gonna say he'll be the difference maker in Game Six. I think him getting to the line uh, is really important. I think the the free throws that he earned are going to settle him down a little bit. And I I think maybe he's been rushing things. Maybe he hasn't felt entirely comfortable and who knows, maybe maybe he's dealing with an injury or something that we don't know about, but I don't think so. I think he's just not been playing particularly well on the offensive end. So I think going out there in that fourth quarter and Getting those free throws will will get him into a better mindset. Uh, although those free the free throws, I'm sorry, came in the third quarter, but getting himself into that mindset and and seeing the ball go through and kind of figuring that all out, I think if he gets the types of looks that he has been getting, I'm going to say that in Game Six, those shots those shots start falling. And if if you can even just get one other player to kind of start knocking down, if you just have one of their volume shooters start knocking down threes, like the, the Celtics should have probably won this game by 20 points if they shot at all, like just a, uh, what their average percentage from three, because they had open looks from three the entire game. The Bulls were just leaving people in the corner. Mm-hmm. They had so many opportunities. And if you just think the Celtics kind of returns to – the law of averages, if you believe in that at all, it really feels like they should, um, their offense should really start clicking and they won't have to kind of just kind of battle teams for three quarters before pulling away. They could really build up a lead early. Um, so I, I think that's right. If, if, if Jay Crowder comes out and hits like three of four from three, it's, it's a huge difference and just completely changes the kind of how dynamic their offense can be. Yep. Yep. I think so. All right. You ready? We're doing All the junk right. drawer? This is a junk drawer starting after midnight, so you guys got to bear with me on this one. But <laughs> uh, Let's start it with... Um, I love the energy uh, in the... I think it was end of the first quarter and second quarter with the Terry Rozier, Marcus Smart, Kelly Olynyk lineup. I think that rotation, Brad Stevens has really worked that out well. And those three guys, usually with Crowder and Horford or Crowder and Bradley, have been fantastic. Uh, I really wanted those three guys to have a nickname, but I typed that out at the time, but they really didn't do anything in the rest of the game. So uh, <laughs> no nickname for them. Uh, can I just interject? Kelly Linick dropped a fool with a pick. Awesome. That was awesome. Fantastic. You know who else dropped a fool? Terry Rozier with a steal and slam over um, Feliciano. That was awesome. Dope. A guy who probably has less than 10 dunks in his entire career. Just absolutely yamming. 
and we know we know the dude can jump. We, like he's like one of the best sky high jumpers in terms of rebounding. So it was nice to see him just like sprint out on the break and yam it in Felicio's face. That was fantastic. Um, we, me and Jay King probably spent probably said the phrase about that life ninety five times on last night's podcast. So I'm not going to say Kelly Olynyk's about that life, but I'm going to say he's about that action, boss, because. <laughs> He did not appreciate getting a hard foul from Anthony Morrow, and he went right to him. And I'm all for aggressive Kelly. You guys know my feelings on Kelly Olynyk showing any bit of emotion, um, and that was just really fun to see. As I said on Twitter, he's a boot, that life. He, he is quite a boot, that life. <laughs> he's, not, he's not sorry about anything these days. I'm not sorry. I'm a boot, that life, eh? <laughs> sorry, Canada. Uh, let's see. There was a, like a, a nice stretch there in the third quarter where Marcus Smart completely owned Dwayne Wade on like four consecutive possessions. That's fun to see because I hate Dwayne Wade and he's a terrible human being. And watching him succeed is one of the worst feelings in the world. <laughs> um, Keep it going. Halftime, um, our CSN stats guy Max Lederman tweeted that the Celtics were three and zero in the regular season when they shot more than twenty five threes in the first half. Such an obscure stat with small sample size. But they improved to 4-0, so shout-out to Max Lederman for that. Another wacky three-point stat. There's the worst field goal percentage from three-point line in a win the Celtics had uh, for the entire year. Their third worst for the entire season. So like we said before, you would have to imagine that that's going to get better. Uh, here's kind of a wacky idea, but I saw the, uh, an ad for the NBA Awards, and I know that Drake is going to be hosting, but that just seemed like it was going to be super corny. And I was thinking, who would be the best person to host the NBA Awards show? And I'm thinking it would be like Norm McDonald circa 1995 when he was really on like that OJ kick. <laughs> that would be hilarious. That guy, if you've ever seen him host, when he hosted the ESPYs, oh man, he, he just like killed the entire audience and just made really, really off-color jokes. So I think Norm McDonald would be the perfect host for the NBA Awards. Huh. Who would be the perfect host for the NBA awards? Shit. I, I, I Norm McDonald's actually a pretty terrible answer because I don't think he watches basketball whatsoever. But yeah, you really need someone who's willing to roast all the players in front of their faces in the room. Yeah, who would that be? I'm completely drawing a blank. Quite right. It's not how the junk yeah. drawer works. It's not about thinking. It's about random observations. So. We'll, well, uh, if you guys have an idea, definitely tweet at us. Use the hashtag ReigningJays. Um, Fred Hoiberg is probably the most milk toast, like boring motherfucker I've ever seen talk. It just he's like, just his half game, his sideline interviews is just like, oh my god, this guy sells insurance for a living, and he really hates his job, and he doesn't really like his wife, and he just doesn't complain, and he just seems so infuriated with the world. Um, and he just is like the most middle management dude ever. And it's just, it's kind of sad at this point. He's the guy that should work at Inatech and it's complain sad. about PC load letter, but never do anything about it. That like his life is just filled with, um, TPS reports. Absolutely. It's, just, it's, it's kind of sad for him, but entertained for us when someone like Josue Pavon comes in and <laughs> tweaks him a little bit. All right. We go, wrapping up here. Amir Johnson doing a great job as cheerleader. There was an awesome clip tonight where um, Avery Bradley had a tip in and Amir Johnson's pants fell down right as this was happening. That's just comedy gold. That's always going to be funny. Um, last two things is the 
Dwayne Wade said after the game that there was no hot water in the showers in the visiting locker room. Thank you, Red Arback. Yeah, that's just the ghost of Red coming back. Uh, just fantastic stuff. I mean, I wouldn't want the uh, the Celtics to do something like that intentionally, but if it happens, I'm all for it. Um, and then finally, kind of on a more serious note, I just want to uh, kind of give a shout out to the to the fine people who who worked at ESPN who happened to get laid off today. There are some great NBA-centric um, people in there, specifically Ethan Strauss and uh, Justin Barrier, who did some great work, and it's too bad they got laid off, but I, I imagine they'll get hired again soon. But it's just it's never fun to see kind of people in the media who you, whose work you respect uh, lose their job. So just kind of shout out to those people, um, and hopefully good luck for them moving forward. Yeah, I, I want to say something about that, because it, it, this was... Today, what happened at ESPN was a bloodbath, and the uh, I address a lot of this stuff on my Twitter. If you want to go back through my timeline throughout uh, early Wednesday morning, uh, not early Wednesday, like basically from like ten to noon, I, I talked a lot about this. But there's been a lot of greed and mismanagement over the course of time from cable companies who continue to force us to pay for a lot of channels that we didn't want and give us huge, huge cable bills so they can keep padding their pockets. And what's ended up happening was the second that the option for cutting the cord existed, people cut the cord. So their greed led to a lot of people cutting the cord. And that in turn led to a lot of changes at media companies because they weren't getting the cable fees that were coming in. And then ESPN, with its misguided strategy, has cost a lot of good people their jobs. And first of all, I want to say, there are people celebrating people losing their jobs. That's bullshit. Don't do that. Don't be that person. Okay? Maybe some of the some people who lost their jobs, you might not think that they were good. Maybe whatever you think, that's your opinion. These are people with real lives who depend on these checks to to take care of their families. This isn't like uh, a a multimillionaire millionaire athlete getting cut and still getting a, a, their money. This that's not how this works. Uh, and and I just want to say that their the 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 bad decision making on management's part over and over and over again has really cost a lot of people their jobs, their money, their livelihoods, put a lot of people in unnecessary positions. And I, I, I hate it. I hate it. I hate it. I hate it. But this is a brutal industry. It's as brutal, almost as brutal as the sports that we all cover. And it's a very competitive industry it the, the sports journalism industry is very much like the sports that we cover because very few positions they're highly coveted and th- as soon as th- these things happen there are people who sit there and say oh that's really terrible and then they say well are, are they are they trying to fill those positions or what and they put their resumes in and they they'll be the first people to go work there but that's why ESPN can get away with it but i i think what ESPN did, it's just it, it was not necessary. I, I wish there were better decisions that were made, and 
unfortunately, a lot of these really, really good people got caught up in that and lost their jobs. So uh, uh, lots of love out to them. I'm sure a lot of them will get jobs somewhere else, but maybe some won't. And that's, that's just a shame. So hate to end it on that, that note, but I think it's really important to mention that. And, and again, if you guys want to hit me on Twitter at reds army underscore John, I'm happy to talk about that stuff. I'm not shy about it. Uh, and, and who knows, uh, maybe, maybe things will change down the, down, down the road. All right. That'll wrap it up. The Celtics have forced, uh, have have not only, I'm sorry, the Celtics have won a game five after forcing a game five, they are now going to Chicago to potentially win this in six. And it may not be the way we thought they'd get there, but a lot of people said Celtics in six, and that might be how this all ends. Celtics win game five, 108-97, game six, Friday. Uh, we may we may do the same thing we did last week where we, we don't do a show tomorrow night, the Thursday night show for Friday, and we might just do a post-game Friday show for you. So just stay tuned for, for that on Twitter. Again, join us Sunday at noon on the Boston Celtics subreddit for an ask me anything and ask us anything and we'll meet we'll see you there for that uh, until then thanks for listening if you have subscribed to the show please rate us five stars leave us a review that's very very helpful if you are not a subscriber search locked on Celtics wherever it is you get your podcasts whether it's Google Play, Stitcher, iTunes, something else that I've never heard of, something in a different part of the country. I want to give shout-outs to people who tweeted us from other parts of the world. I, I love the fact that we're global. Search for us there. If you're new to us, trust me, you will love it. So, thanks for listening. This has been the Locked On Celtics Podcast. We are part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Hi guys, this is Josh Lloyd, host of the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast. The NBA is back, so that means that fantasy basketball is back in one form or another. We've got daily fantasy, but there's also some fantasy leagues with the resumption of play with these eight regular season games in Orlando, and Locked On Fantasy Basketball is going to have you covered. It's not just for fantasy basketball, though, because we recap all of the games across the NBA, so if you're looking for a broad overview of the action across the league every day, Locked On Fantasy Basketball is the podcast for you.